Good morning. I'll give you a moment to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 40. And if you need glasses like me, I'll give you time to put those on. All right, let's begin. Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, you will set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You are to put the ark of the testimony there and screen off the ark with the curtain. Then bring in the table and set in order the bread that is on it. Bring in the menorah and its lights and its lamps. Set the golden incense altar in front of the ark of the testimony and hang the curtain over the entrance of the tabernacle. Set the altar of burnt offering before the entrance of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Set up the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard all around and hang the curtain of the gate of the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything within it and consecrate it along with all of its furnishings and it will be holy. Also you are to anoint the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar will be most holy then you are to anoint the basin along with its base and sanctify it. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Put the holy garments on Aaron, anoint him and consecrate him so that he may minister to me as a priest. Also bring his sons and put tunics upon them. You are to anoint them as you did their father so that they too may minister to me as priests. Their anointing will be for an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Moses did so, just as Adonai had commanded him. Now it happened during the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was raised up. Moses raised the tabernacle and laid its bases, set up the framework of boards, put in the crossbars, and set up its pillars. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on it, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. He placed the testimony into the ark, set the poles on the ark, and put the atonement cover on top of the ark. He brought the ark into the tabernacle, set up the curtain as a screen, and screened off the ark of the testimony, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. Then he set up the table inside the tent of meeting, on the side of the tabernacle, northward, outside the curtain. He set a row of bread in order upon it before Adonai, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. Then he placed the menorah in the tent of meeting, over against the table, on the south side of the tabernacle. Then he lit the lamps before Adonai, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. Next he placed the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the curtain. And he burned sweet spices of incense there, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. He hung the curtain over the entrance of the tabernacle. Then he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. Next, he set up the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing so that Moses, Aaron, and his sons 
could wash their hands and their feet there. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they came near to the altar, they washed, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. He set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen at the gate of the courtyard. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter into the tent of meeting because the cloud resided there, and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Now whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, sons of Israel went onward throughout all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not move out until the day that it was. For the cloud of Adonai was on the tabernacle by day, and a fire was there by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The Lord bless his word. Well, good morning, everyone. I, I want to thank Troy for reading the words. Now, it was a whole chapter. And as we've been learning in our night school, um, the word of the Lord is important. And, you know, we're tempted sometimes to skip over some passages which may be a little bit, we feel irrelevant or boring, but it's all important. It's the word of God. All of it is inspired by God and given us from God. It is the authority of God. It is all important. And so, Troy, thank you for that reading this morning. But I want to give a bit of a recap. We've been looking at the journey of God's people. How we've been looking at how God took uh, people from Egypt. God's people started off in Egypt and they started off in abundance. They started off and things were going well. They started off with, with uh, so much privilege uh, from, from Joseph. And then they somehow went from there into slavery and cried out to God. And God said, I'll free you from Egypt and I'm going to give you uh, your own land. <clears throat> and so God takes them from Egypt, uh, where they experienced death and slavery and hopelessness, and they were a forgotten people, or they felt they were forgotten. And then they moved. God was moving them to deliverance and freedom and a sense of hope and a belonging. God says, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And God is moving them along. And that's where we've been going on this series of how God has been moving these people along on this journey. And um, what we find in Exodus, sorry, buddy. uh, What we find in Exodus is that there are three main themes. There is the Exodus itself, coming out of Egypt and the... um, what we find, uh, the um, Passover and the blood on the lintels and all of that. Uh, that's the first one. The second main thing in Exodus we see is the giving of the law. And the third main thing that we find in the book of Exodus is the giving of the tabernacle. And that's what we're looking at this morning. And God goes into great detail in how the tabernacle was to be constructed and looked after. In fact, there's about... 16 chapters in the book of Exodus detailing this tabernacle. And Troy, thank you for reading that one chapter, but there's 16 of them. 
detailing how it should look and how it should be constructed and how people should um, look after it and build it and, and de dismantle it. And so if the 16th chapter is dedicated to it, it must be important. It's a big deal. <clears throat> you see, before the tabernacle, there was no central sanctuary. There was no established meeting place for the people of God to come to. <clears throat> before the tabernacle, what you found was there, there were times we see where God appears to people. And they want to acknowledge that God had appeared to them and they build an altar or they have a sacrifice uh, as a way of acknowledging and remembering that God had appeared. So for example, Noah. <clears throat> Noah gets in the ark. And when they come out of the ark and then the, the boat settles uh, and the, the rain and the water disp dispense and the rainbow appears, symbolizing the promises of God, Noah, what does Noah do? He builds an altar and sacrifice and he just thanks God. And he says, you know, this is, this is where God is, has freed us. Abraham builds an altar. Isaac builds an altar. Jacob, Jacob, he's, uh, he's going along and he has a little, he goes, he goes to bed, he sleeps on the, on the roadside somewhere, puts a stone under his head for a pillow and has a dream. And we hear about Jacob's ladder. And where there's angels coming up and down from heaven to earth. And he wakes up and he says, surely God was here. And he gets the stone that he had for a pillar and he makes an altar to the Lord. He anoints the stone and he builds an altar and he calls it, does anybody know? Bethel. Good, our worship leader. Good job, worship leader. Okay, Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. And we know, we know God is ubiquitous. We know that God is omnipresent. We know God is everywhere. There is nowhere that God is not. However, every now and again in the Old Testament, God makes himself known. And the place, the place he shows up becomes like a, a holy place. Like when God meets with Moses in the desert... So all this is before the tabernacle, right? God meets Moses in the desert in the burning bush. And Moses approaches the burning bush in the presence of God. What does God say to Moses? Take your shoes off, yeah. Take your sandals off, you know. Take them vans off, those whatever you're wearing. And because, because this land, why take your shoes off? Because it's a holy place. Because you're in the presence of God. And so when people encounter God in those moments, that glory, then it's a, it's a symbol of a holy place. So one day God says to Moses, as the people have left Egypt and they've crossed the Red Sea and, and they're kind of wandering around in the wilderness, God says to Moses, build me. I want you to build me a tabernacle. I want my holy presence, my divine and good presence, to come and dwell in the center of all the people. And there's a picture here of the tabernacle in the, in the wilderness. And you can see how big it is compared to everyone else's little tents. 
And the tabernacle was in the center of the camp and all the people would have pitched their tents, all the tribes, the 12 tribes of Judah would have pitched their tents all around, like a million people, two million people, pitched their tents all around this tabernacle that was in the center. For the first time in their history, since the Garden of Eden, they have a place that they know that they can go to where God is there, the presence of God is there, and it's the tabernacle. And it's this huge tent, and it's elaborate, and it's adorned. And Moses had, there was so much detail, 16 chapters of detail of what it should look like and how people should respond to it and how they approach the tabernacle. It's a big deal. And when they were in the desert, this tent could be moved around in a, in a specific tribe. The tribe of Levite would have come along and they would have moved. They would have been there responsible for looking after it and for maintaining it and for moving it around. You see, the Lord says in Exodus 25 verse 8, he says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Let them make a sanctuary for me. The tabernacle has now been made, but that's not the end of it. It's not just a tent. It's a cool little building that they've made. There's a purpose for the tabernacle. It has been made so that the Lord might dwell amongst his people. And the, the, the entrance of God into the tabernacle forms the climax of the whole book of Exodus. It's the last chapter. We see, Troy read the whole chapter, but the last four verses are for me, just form the climax, form the kind of pinnacle, the kind of conclusion of Exodus. It says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled that tabernacle, that Shekinah glory, the glory of God, the glory where, you know, where Jesus was transfigured and that the glory of God was, was revealed for a glimpse, for a fleeting moment, that glory filled the tabernacle there and then. Imagine being one of the people and seeing the glory of God. Imagine being with Jesus when he's transfigured on the mountaintop. Peter and, and John, they get to see the glory of Jesus just in that moment, for a, for a brief moment. But the people of God get to see that Shekinah glory every day. The glory of God filled the temple, filled the tabernacle. And this was God's greatest gift to Israel. It says in verse 36, well, verse 35, Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon him. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the troubles of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they could set out, they could go. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel during all of their travels, the presence and the glory of God was with the people for 40 years as they're going through the wilderness. The greatest gift God gave his people was his presence. 
He put his presence among them. At the heart of the covenant lies the promise, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will dwell with you. God gave himself to the nation of Israel. He gave them his presence. And I love the fact that Moses had been obedient to God in every single detail. Verse 33, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Moses had done everything God had asked and the glory of God came. And I think that's such a wonderful principle today. Moses was obedient to God and God had blessed him because of it. The presence of God was there because Moses had been obedient. And I wonder as Christians today, how obedient are we to God? If we want to see the glory of God in our lives, if you want to see that Shekinah glory dwelling in us, we too have to be obedient to God in all things. Moses was, the glory came, and God was with them in their journeys, wherever they went, until they landed into Canaan. The book of Exodus is a wonderful journey. They started off in Egypt with gloom and depression, but it ends in glory. What a wonderful book Exodus is. God's promises to Moses are becoming a reality. And nearly 500 years on from this time, King Solomon builds a temple. The tabernacle is no longer needed because they're no longer wandering nomads. Once they land in, their land in the promised land, King Solomon builds a temple for the Lord in Jerusalem. And the, the glory of God filled that temple. And you might be asking this morning, well, this is great. This is all very um, interesting. But how is it relevant for us today in the 21st century? How does this apply to my life today? Well, you see, the temple is gone. And the glory of God left the people of Israel from the temple because they were disobedient. So the glory of God no longer dwells in that temple that they made or the tabernacle that they made. But the temple principle still remains. When we read about the tabernacle, we cannot comprehend fully its significance without seeing that it is the shadow and substance of Jesus Christ today. Ultimately, all of it points towards Jesus. John 1, 14. Many of us are familiar with that famous passage of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we see uh, the, the, the end of that prologue, the conclusion of the prologue of, of John says this in verse 14, the word then became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. More literally, 
the word made its dwelling could be, he pitched his tent amongst us. Or more specifically, he tabernacled with us. When Jesus died, in whom God was present and ascended into heaven to God's realm, after promising his disciples, behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Ten days later, his Holy Spirit came amongst us and entered into his people and the birth of the early church was formed. God was now present with his people. Even when Jesus was born, his name was to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us in Jesus Christ and later with his Holy Spirit. All of a sudden we see hundreds of thousands and today millions of temples of God walking around the world. That is us. The tabernacle no longer exists. The temple was destroyed when the Romans destroyed it in AD 70. Today, we are the living, walking temples of God. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in each individual Christian and as Christians collectively as the church. This is the beautiful mystery of Christianity. We have the transforming presence of Jesus Christ living in and through our lives. I keep saying it. We, I think we only live half a gospel. We say when you follow Jesus, you're going to get to heaven. But I feel that we neglect the time when we have to cultivate that living, transforming presence of Jesus Christ in our lives today while we're here on earth. We are living temples of God. How amazing is that? We have the holy presence of God. I think we should be standing up cheering with our hands in the air right now, right? The holy, the tabernacle was this beautiful tent, ordained, all beautiful like. And God spent so much time dedicating it and, and decorating it. And the Shekinah glory, the glory of God filled the temple. And that that temple's me, and the glory of God lives in me. And yet, I have such a wonderful ability to quash the Spirit of God living in me by not being obedient to God in my life. Augustine wrote this uh, uh, early church father. He said, God has made us for himself. And our hearts are restless till they find our rest in him. Why do you mean so much to me? Why do I mean so much to you? He playfully asked. God means so much to us. And we mean so much to, to him, to God, because he has made us for himself. He entered into covenant with Israel. I will be, with, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will dwell with you. They are bound together. We are bound together with God, with his presence living in our lives today as holy temples. In Christ, God and us are bound together. And today we are the indwelling presence of God here in the Cowichan Valley, in Canada, around the world. 
We are the 21st century temple. We are the 21st century tabernacle. 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Paul is saying, don't get distracted with all of the, the temptations of the world. This, you're just honoring God. When we get involved with sexual sin or pornography or, you know, just our eyes are looking all over the place, you're dishonoring God. Your body's a holy temple of God. Honor God. God lives in you. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 6, 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? None. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. There you go. It's going again. God is telling, Paul is telling us, he's quoting Leviticus here. God is living in us. Don't pollute yourself with other things that are going around that the world has to offer. Be holy. Next week, we have, we have Mark Buchanan coming. Um, an old, old, old pastor. Three pastors gone, I think. And he's going to be preaching on holiness. What does it mean for us to be a holy people today? I'm looking forward to that. Paul is saying that we are, our, our bodies, our lives, we are the tabernacle, the temple of the indwelling, living, holy God. His glory, that Shekinah glory fills us. So what do we need to take away from this this morning? Do you get, do you get me? Are you excited? My goodness. Praise God. I'm just an empty vessel filled with the presence of God. But Ephesians 5 says, be filled in the Spirit. We've got to keep being filled. If we're not being filled in the Spirit, something else will come in and fill it instead. The earth, the world, the whatever the world, the cosmos. We'll fill, us our, we'll fill our lives. What do you want? The world or the Spirit of God filling us? That's your kind of glory. That's what I want every day. Two things we can take away from this. The first one is this. The temple was visible for everybody to see. This tabernacle was in the center of all things. There we go. The tabernacle's in the middle. And everybody can see it. I love it when the center of all of the people focused on that tabernacle. It was there everything. That's a picture of the modern day um, area where the, the temple of Solomon would have been built in Jerusalem. And it's obviously, just go back one, please. And you can see there that it's, it's no longer there. It's been destroyed and it's never been rebuilt. And, but the land is still there. But as you can see, all around it, everybody could see the temple of Jerusalem. When they had that big party the, in the, um, the Feast of um, Tabernacles for eight days and they let the light, they let these big lights symbolizing the glory of God that had left 
It says that all of Jerusalem would have seen the light because the temple was so visible, was so prevalent, was so present. Everyone can see the temple. Um, next slide, please, Caleb. Okay, we've got, the, this is what the, this is not real. This is, this is a model of what the temple would have looked like. But you can see how big it is. You can see how bold it is. And all the little houses around it. You would have seen this temple every single day. It would have been in your mind every day. And then one more. There's a, there's a model. Uh, if you go to Jerusalem now, there's a model there that you can walk around of what the temple would have looked like back in the day. Uh, I think that's Herod, Herod's temple that he built. But you can see how much land is dedicated to it. And all the houses around would have seen this temple every single day. Matthew 5, 16 tells us, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This tabernacle was, this temple would have been present for everybody. And Jesus is saying, likewise, if the living God is living in us, let that glory shine out amongst us so everyone can see the glory of God in our lives. What are we today? Are we like a, a city on a hill? The properties, if you drive around Maple Bay or anywhere, you can see the properties on the nighttime and all the houses lighting up that hill. You can't miss it. Or you look over to Salt Spring and you can see the houses lighting up. Are we, as living holy temples of God, displaying God's glory in what we're doing? Or are we like Christian submarines? You know, like a submarine, it's underneath the water, you don't know it's there. It's just, it's, perhaps it's there, you don't know. Just disguised, masked, hidden away. The temple of God was supposed to be visible as the central presence for everyone to see. If we are the indwelling presence of the living God today, how are we standing out as Christians? We're going to come to a, a cool season. We've got Christmas coming up, which is a brilliant time for us to declare the glory of God, right? Jesus Christ came into earth. We've got Halloween coming up, which is a big uh, holiday season, which I don't personally like. This is a great opportunity for Christians to say, hey, you know, uh, we don't like it. Where do we stand with this? Are we going to be Christian submarines just going with the floor? Or are we going to be standing out saying, hey, we, we believe in the light. We believe in Jesus. How are we going to stand out? I heard someone say this, you know, uh, Halloween, you know, we celebrate it one, one year one day a year, it's like having a, an affair with the devil, you know, uh, once a year. It's, I don't know. It's like, do we want to be dabbling in that? Because it's rooted. It's, 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 it's rooted in, in things that just go against what we believe as Christians, right? How are we standing out as Christians? So that's the first thing. Are we cities on the hill displaying the glory of God? Oh, we Christian submarines. The second thing that we can take from this is this. The tabernacle was a place of prayer 
and worship. That's my second point. The first one, the temple was visible. My second point is the time, it's a place of, it's a house of prayer. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he rides into Jerusalem. And before the Passover, he walks into the temple of Jerusalem. And what does he do? He flips the tables up. I never quite understood this as a kid. But the more I study the Bible, the more it hits home. Jesus goes in, he flips these tables because the people there, the, the, the Israelites, the, the, the trip on my, the mic. Jesus flips the tables around because they were selling lambs for the, the, the Passover. And they were making so much noise and so much hustle and bustle that it was a distraction for people coming to the temple to pray and to worship. And Jesus says to the people, this is, what does he say to them? This is a house of what? It's a house of prayer. He denounces it. Matthew 21, my house should be called a house of prayer. And it's a quote from Isaiah. And Isaiah says this. They got the passage up there, yeah, I do. Foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, these I will bring to my holy mountain, for the house shall be called a house of prayer for all of the peoples. The temple today is us. And we're no different. We have to be a place of prayer and worship. What's the most poorly attended meeting in a church? The prayer meeting, you have an AGM, you'll, you'll pack a room out, we have a prayer meeting, you know, six of us turn up, right? We have prayer, Wednesday morning, 6.30, come along, a bit early, I know, but we're fully full of porridge, and uh, or if you're a lady, 11 o'clock, come join us for prayer. As temples of the living God. We're supposed to be visible and we're supposed to be places of prayer individually and as a group of people. We need to be temples who carry the presence and atmosphere of God. You know when you've met a holy person. You know when you've met somebody who loves Jesus because they just radiate the glory of God. That glory just seems to come out of their lives. Like when Moses met with God in the tent of meeting, and you'd come out and you'd have to veil his face because the presence of God was just so visible. Can we think of examples in our lives where we've seen answered prayer? Can we think of examples in our lives when we've just seen the presence of God just filling us so much that we just want to burst with joy? A temple as a house of prayer should be something that we, we were yearning for. And as we leave here today, our prayer might be, God, allow me to be visible as your, as your ambassador here on earth. Give me a desire in my heart to keep praying and being with you. A tabernacle would have been nothing about the presence of God. Likewise, we are able, only able to live holy and honoring lives because the Spirit of God is living in and through our lives. So, the tabernacle in the Bible doesn't exist anymore, but it does exist here. So, are we visible?
and there'll be houses of prayer for the Lord. Let us pray as the band come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that we live in such a beautiful part of the world where we look out and it's not easy to neglect the fact of your beauty just, just surrounds us. It's so easy to see your glory, Lord, all around us, everywhere. But I pray when people see us, they see the living God living in through our lives. They can see a difference in us. They can see the presence of Jesus just overflowing, that glory of God just overflowing. I pray that we make a difference, Lord, in all that we do as a church, collectively and as individuals. Help us to be countercultural. Lord, I, I thank you that we have the privilege of going to two services. And I pray, Lord, that as we as individuals are going out into the world, declaring and proclaiming the life-transforming presence of Jesus Christ, I pray that these seats here start to fill up more. That we start to see new people coming and giving their lives to Jesus. I pray that the churches all around the valley may continue to grow that there may be thriving congregations up and down this valley, Lord. I pray for this collective worship night, that what we're doing, Lord, as people is honoring and glorifying to you, that you may be pleased with our hearts and our desires and the way that we are living. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've changed us and transformed us and that you dwell with us and we are your people. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.